Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. <laughs> Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Welcome to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Pastor Jeff McAfee filling in today for Tom Brown. And today, uh, we're going to be talking about the exciting story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. I don't know when it was the last time you heard that story, but uh, uh, buckle up. It's, it's a great, great story. What a privilege it is to be here today and fill in for Tom Brown, uh, the one and only and the legendary Tom Brown that we all so affectionately love. And, and uh, uh, for just a little bit about myself, I am the pastor of Parkway Community Church here in Phoenix, Arizona, and you can find us at uh, parkwaychurch.com. Um, uh, let's see, I've been married for uh, 21 years to a wonderful woman, Kendra McAfee. We've got three great kids, uh, Ethan, Anna, and Ella, who are the joy of our lives. And we even have a big old Great Dane running around the house, uh, putting holes in the walls and keeping us on our toes. Amen. Hey, marriage is great and the family life is good, but it doesn't compare to living the life of uh, serving God. Amen. Uh, there's nothing greater than living a life in the service of our God and in the service of our fellow brothers and sisters. Praise God. That has always got to come first in my life. It always has to come first in your life. Amen. If you want to be a better husband, you've got to love God more. Amen. If you want to be a better father, you've got to love your wife more. Amen. Well, today I'm really excited to talk about this story, this classic story from the Old Testament of the showdown at Mount Carmel. And uh, the, the story centers around a prophet by the name of Elijah. And uh, Elijah was a pretty bad guy. I mean, he was, uh, what I mean by that is uh, he was not someone to be trifled with. He was a prophet. And, and a prophet was someone that God really trusted. God called those men uh, into the office of prophecy when he knew that he could trust them with very important messages. And oftentimes, those messages would be quite unpopular. And this is why the Lord had to really be able to trust these men. So Elijah fit that category quite well. You know, the Word of God says in 2 Kings chapter 1 that Elijah was a hairy man. Isn't that funny? He wore a leather belt around his waist. And he served the northern kingdom of Israel. He was the same guy, when you read about the story uh, well, a few stories surround him. One of them was when, he, uh, when God told him uh, that he should prophesy that it would not rain for three years. He was the one who was fed by ravens at the brook. He was the one that raised the widow's son from the dead. He was the one that was on the run from Jezebel when she promised to come get him. And he was the one whose mantle was taken up by Elisha. Amen. He was also the one who the Word of God says never died. 
He was taken up in a whirlwind of fire, in a chariot of fire, with fire horses. And finally, he was one of the two that appeared with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was he and Moses. So he was one bad guy, and uh, stay tuned. We're really going to enjoy hearing about this showdown on Mount Carmel. Praise God. You're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Jeff McAfee filling in for Tom Brown today. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Jeff McAfee filling in for Tom Brown. Today we're talking about the the exciting story from the Old Testament of the showdown on Mount Carmel. Praise God. What a great story. I want to read this story to you. I'm going to read you the entire story, and I want you to listen to this. In fact, just get comfortable and, and listen to this story. Uh, it's a wonderful story. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 18. If you have your Bible and want to pull it out and follow along, I'm starting here in verse 15. So this is the showdown at Mount Carmel. Listen to this great story. Beginning in verse 15, but Elijah said, I swear by the Lord Almighty in whose presence I stand that I will present myself to Ahab this very day. So Obadiah went to tell Ahab that Elijah had come, and Ahab went out to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw him, he, ex- he exclaimed, So is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? I have made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead." Now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who are supported by Jezebel. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. Verse 22. Then Elijah said to them, I'm the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450. Now bring me two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on the altar, but not set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, You go first, for there are many of you. Choose one of the bulls and prepare it and call on the name of your God. But do not set fire to the wood. Verse 26. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. And then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, O Baal, answer us. 
but there was no reply of any kind. And then they danced, hobbling around the altar they had made. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. "'You'll have to shout louder,' he scoffed, "'for surely he is a god. "'Perhaps he's daydreaming or relieving himself, "'or maybe he's away on a trip or is asleep or needs to be awakened.'" Verse 28, "'So they shouted louder, and following their normal custom, "'they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out, "'and they raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice.'" But still there was no sound, no reply, no response. Then Elijah called to the people, Come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took twelve stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. And then he dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold several gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. And then he said, Fill uh, four large jars with water, and pour the water over the offering and the wood. Verse 34. After they had done this, he said, Do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, Now do it a third time. And so they did as he said. And the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Verse 38. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, He is good. Yes, the Lord is God. Then Elijah commanded, Seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them all. And Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and killed them there. Wow, what a story. Praise God. Uh, Elijah, he was, uh, he was the real deal, wasn't he? Uh, this is a, a great, great classic story in the Old Testament. One of my favorites to teach on and to preach on. And by the way, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Jeff McAfee filling in for Tom Brown today. And today we're talking about the showdown on Mount Carmel. Now, there are four pieces of this story that I want to draw our attention to here this afternoon. And the first one is the challenge, the challenge that the prophet Elijah presented to the people. He asked a very important question. It was relevant to the people of Israel in his time, and the question is relevant for you today as you hear this story afresh. And the question was, how long are you going to waver? And to waver means to waffle. To waver, mean, uh, to waver means to uh, hesitate. Wavering means that you're going back and forth. On one day, you're serving God and you're loving God. On the next day, you're struggling. You're not serving God. You're not loving God. Maybe you're not even thinking about God. 
How long are you going to waver? And this is a question for you. It's a question for me. I mentioned in the intro to this uh, show today that I've got a dog. We have a great Dane at home. Uh, She's a big dog. She weighs 163 pounds, and we love every single bit of her. I told my wife and kids that when we got her as a puppy, we we were never going to feed her table scraps. Well, as she was young and I couldn't resist, I gave her some table scraps. And I wavered and I wavered. Well, now it's a little over two years later. And I've completely lost (laughs) all opportunity I had uh, to to let that dog be raised and trained where she doesn't come and bother you whenever you're eating. My bad. I wavered. Well, how long are you going to waver? The question was for the Israelites because of their inability to choose God or to choose for themselves. You see, the other gods were too appealing. And I want you to consider this for just a moment because uh, Elijah here was having a showdown between the God of Israel and the God of, well, the God Baal. And Baal was a really attractive God for people to worship and to follow after. He was um, a God of fertility. He was a God that people worshipped when they wanted their crops to grow, when they wanted their livestock to be increased, when they wanted their children, uh, when they wanted to have lots of children. He was considered the most powerful God of his day. He was a God that was filled with sensuality, where the temples devoted to Baal were filled with temple prostitutes. And part of the worship was to uh, use the service of those temple prostitutes. He was a God whereby when the prophets of Baal would worship, it would be very loud and ecstatic. There would be self-inflicted injuries. The people would worship him with wild abandon. He was a God that they considered to be a sun God and a rain God. He controlled the sunlight and he controlled the rain. Uh, Henceforth, he was a God of fertility. He was a really appealing God to worship because of all that the Israelites could take advantage of. It was very exciting. These Israelites were instructed by God not to allow the worship of foreign gods into their presence. And so God said to the prophet Elijah to challenge Baal so that the Israelites would know which was the real God, who was the real God. So it's a great question. It's a great question for you today. How long are you going to waver? You know, the best possibilities in life are found only in the ways that you are a true follower of Jesus Christ. You know, your your very best thinking comes when you're no longer wavering and you're following Jesus Christ. The best words come out of your mouth when you're no longer wavering and you're a true follower of Jesus Christ. Your best family days, are they, they come when you are no longer wavering and you're a true follower of Jesus Christ. You know, your best financial situation is made possible when you are no longer wavering and you're a true follower of Jesus Christ. Hey, I want to tell you something today. There are some problems that come with living a wavering life. You know, when we, when we waffle back and forth in our faith, there is an ever-present 
sense of emptiness. And there, there's a lacking of connection. There's a connection problem. There's, there's a missing fulfillment in your spirit. And you also have a peace problem. There's a peace problem that comes when you live a wavering life. You've seen the bumper stickers that say, no peace, no Jesus. Well, it's the truth. You see, it's a big deal. Your spirit longs to be at peace. And the only way that your spirit will ever be at peace is when Jesus Christ is first and foremost in your life. And you're no longer wavering back and forth. Where you're a believer on Sunday and not a believer the rest of the days. There is a success problem that comes from wavering. You'll never have the success like Joseph or David had because God's blessings follow obedience. So God is asking you the same question today. How long are you going to waver? How long are you going to sit on the sidelines waiting to get fully into this life that God wants you to live? So I want to encourage you this afternoon as you hear this question that the prophet Elijah posed to the Israelites. The Holy Spirit is posing to you in this moment. How long are you going to waver? Well, you're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Jeff McAfee filling in for Tom Brown today, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Jeff McAfee filling in for Tom Brown. Today we're talking about the classic story from the Old Testament of the showdown on Mount Carmel. Prophet Elijah, he was one bad dude. Uh, He did not mess around. You know, God could really trust him. And that's why God called him and God used him. Uh, He could really trust. See, it it takes great courage to be able to do what the prophets were required to do in the Old Testament. And some of the most exciting stories in the Bible are found in the Old Testament when these prophets were doing what God had called them to do. So here, when we left off, Elijah had challenged the 450 prophets of Baal. He, he told them all to go to the top of Mount Carmel, and there some altars would be built. And a challenge was presented to them uh, to uh, call upon their God, and Elijah would call upon his. And whichever God would send fire down from heaven would be proven to be the real God. Elijah was outnumbered. It was 450 prophets to one. And that's not all. There were an additional 400 prophets of Asherah that were there as well. So really, it was 850 to one. And in addition to this, the Word of God declares that all of Israel was there to witness this event. Boy, God really set the stage in order to prove and to show Israel how powerful he was. You know, we focused on in our last segment this challenge. 
that Elijah had presented to the people. He asked them point blank, how long are you going to waver? Here's another piece of this story I want to focus on here in the next few minutes, and that's the mockery. And it's, it's uh, you know, you kind of chuckle when you read through this story in, in the Bible to hear Elijah uh, grossly outnumbered uh, with, uh, with the kinds of individuals that for fun will injure themselves uh, with weapons. And he's grossly outnumbered 850 to 1, and still he rises up to mock their God. And I want you to, I want you to understand the importance of this. Uh, so let's, let's pick up where we left off in 1 Kings 18, 27. It says this, about noontime, Elijah began mocking them. He yelled out, you'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he is a God. Perhaps he's daydreaming or relieving himself, or maybe he's away on a trip or is asleep and needs to be awakened. I want you to understand how all the Israelites had become duped by this prophet Baal. They had become duped by the devil. They bought into his lies. By the way, if you're just tuning in, I'm Jeff McAfee. You're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk, 1360 KPXQ. And I'm Jeff McAfee filling in for Tom Brown. Today we're talking about the great story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. So how do you get duped as a believer? Remember, these were God's chosen people. Uh, But I want to tell you this, uh, this afternoon that you can get duped. And if you want to get duped as a believer, here's how it's done. If you want to get duped as a believer, you never fully give your heart to God. And you can easily get duped like the Israelites were duped. If you want to get duped, then take your eyes off of the one who really loves you. You remember the story of Peter when he was walking on water. And he was doing it. Uh, But not long after he took a few steps, what happened? He took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to look at the wind and the waves And sure enough, the storm got the best of them. You know, when you take your eyes off of the one who really loves you, you can get easily duped. And there's another way that you can get duped, and that is when you don't learn lessons from your past or from the past of others. You know, as a pastor, I'm the pastor of a a great church here in the valley. It's Parkway Church. You can find us at parkwaychurch.com. We're right over there off Bethany Home and the 51. We'd love to have you out sometime. Our services are on Sunday morning at 1030. But, you know, as a pastor, I, I deal a lot with people. I have, a, of course, I have all my members that I deal with on a regular basis. I have a lot of other people that come into the church for assistance. And, you know, I learn a lot from the people that I deal with. I love so much being a pastor and blessing and, and pouring in to the, uh, the, the wonderful members of my church. There are times when I counsel people that come in for counseling. And, and I learn a lot, not only from my own issues in my own life, but as a pastor, I learn a lot from what I'm seeing happen in the lives around me. Well, the Israelites were not doing so well in learning from their past mistakes, They were making the same mistakes that their fathers did. You know that old saying that says, those who cannot remember the past 
they're condemned to repeat it. Well, the Israelites were struggling with this. They weren't smart enough to learn from their past. Well, guess what? We don't have to be like that. You don't have to be like that. You can learn from your own mistakes. You can learn from the mistakes of others. You can learn from the lessons that the Israelites had to go through. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 11. He says, these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. You see that? One of the reasons that the great stories in the Bible are there, even the stories that show the mistakes and the failures of the poor Israelites as they struggle to follow after God, they're there for a reason. And the Word of God tells us they're there for your instruction. They're there for our instruction. Well, we don't have to be like them. Amen. We don't have to be duped by the devil and then subject to mockery. And I want you to listen to this very carefully. Because in every way, in every manner, in every attempt of trying to live outside of the promises of a godly life is a laughable life. And it's subject to mockery. And I'm not talking about mockery in an entertaining way. Any of our attempts to live outside of following after God, they just don't work, do they? When we look at these prophets of Baal, look at what they were doing. They were dancing. They were shouting all the way from morning until noontime. The Word of God says they hobbled around this altar that they had made. They were cutting themselves with knives and swords. There was blood all around, and they... The Word of God says they raved through the evening. So get this. Don't miss this. Because try as hard as you want to succeed without God. And this is what your life looks like. This is what my life looks like Looks like when I do the same thing. We look at the anxiety and the, the meaningless running around and trying to make things happen in our own accord hurting ourselves through the, the damaging effects of vice and addictions and the incessant carrying on through morning, noon, and through the night with wheel spinning, backward movement. All, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we've done this. You've done it. And it's a kind of life that is uh, evident when we try to live outside of simply following Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, if it's not God, it's going to be a fraud. And if it's a fraud, it's open for mockery. So I want to challenge you this afternoon as we look at these 450 prophets of Baal. Take a look at the ways in your own life right now where you're attempting to succeed or attempting to solve a problem without placing your full trust in God. I want to tell you that to the extent that you're doing these things is the extent to which you look like Baal's prophets on Mount Carmel. Picture yourself up on top of that mountain, dancing around and yelling, acting crazy. This is what we look like. And in the end, there's nothing but collapse and total failure. So I want you to be encouraged in the midst of all this. 
our lives don't have to look like that. When we look at the prophet Elijah, when it was his turn to pray, if you take notice, the Word of God declares that he simply prayed a simple prayer. There was no shouting. There was no dancing. There was no running around. There was no trying to manipulate their God and and scream to get God's attention. It was a real simple prayer. And did you know that that's all it takes is a real simple prayer of faith for God to move in a powerful way in your life? Praise God. Amen. We don't have to look like these guys, do we? Well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Pastor Jeff McAfee filling in for Tom Brown, and today we're talking about the great story of Elijah and the showdown on Mount Carmel. And if you'd like to call in, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, If you'd like to join the conversation today or ask a question, you can call in at 602-274-1360. Amen. And we're not done. This story continues. There's another great piece of this story I want to draw our attention to here this afternoon, and that is the awesome display of God's power. And and it's anchored with this truth that God's power causes people to worship. Amen. Praise God. You know, last summer, uh, we had uh, Kendra, well, actually, it's been a few years now. It wasn't just last summer. We had the pleasure of uh, traveling through Oregon. And Oregon has got one of the most beautiful coastlines I have ever seen. Uh, it's, uh, the sea is angry there along the Oregon coastline. It's really quite a sight to see. And it's filled with huge rocks that are out uh, in the water uh, that the waves are crashing into. Well, when I looked at the Oregon coastline, I really marveled at the great display of power that I was witnessing. And Elijah brought down uh, an even greater display of power from God when that fire came down from heaven. Praise God. Well, if you're listening, you are listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Jeff McAfee filling in for Tom Brown today. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Jeff McAfee, filling in for Tom Brown today. And today we're talking about the showdown at Mount Carmel. Classic great story from the Old Testament that really was an awesome display of God's power. Boy, the prophet Elijah, uh, one to be reckoned with. And you know what's amazing about the prophet Elijah He was a man that obviously loved God, followed after God. He was a man that God could trust. And we know that because he was a prophet. And God, they were a special breed of people 
because uh, God would often use them uh, to speak uh, the most challenging and disciplinary messages to his people. That's why Jesus said that uh, Israel often killed its prophets. They didn't like the prophets. And this is, if this was a calling, if you were a young guy in Israel and you got the call to be a prophet, this was a bad day for you. Uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, it was uh, scary, scary. This was, uh, but Elijah, he was, uh, sure enough, he was a man after God. But you know what's great about Elijah? As much as he loved God, as much as he followed after God, he was not perfect. As a matter of fact, uh, if we were to continue reading in the Bible after this story in 1 Kings 18, we would find that after Elijah had had all 450 of Baal's prophets taken down to the Kishon Valley and he killed them, that the next day Ahab's wife Jezebel sent a warning to poor Elijah and said and threatened to kill him by the end of the day. And so Elijah went on the run and he ended up uh, at Mount Horeb, as the story goes, and he hid in a cave. And there he, he hid out and he cried. He cried out to God. He, he was, even though in the midst of being a, a man of incredible faith, he still was a man, and he still had his struggles. Praise God. It's encouraging for me, encouraging for you, that when we walk in our walk, we don't have to be perfect. God doesn't want you to be perfect. Hey, by the way, we don't have any perfect people at Parkway Church where I'm the senior pastor. Uh, I got rid of all of them a long time ago, and I would love to have you come and visit our church uh, sometime. You can find us at parkwaychurch.com. And we meet Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Praise God. Let's continue. This is a great story. We've already seen this, this amazing challenge that Elijah presented to the Israelites. How much longer are you going to waver? How long are you going to, uh, on one day you're going to be following after Baal, and, and, and the other day you're going to be following after God? It doesn't work. Praise the Lord. We've seen the mockery, this amazing courage. It had to be divine courage for in that moment for Elijah to mock the prophets of Baal. Where's your God, he said. Uh, maybe he's sleeping or he's out relieving himself or come on, go get him. Surely he is a God. Well, they danced around all day, cutting themselves and acting crazy, crying out to God. None of it worked. Of course it didn't. Baal isn't a god. Well, now we see the awesome power that was displayed when Elijah, when it was his turn to, uh, to call out to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it was a real simple prayer. It was a, a, a wonderful display of power. So I want you to understand, get this, it was already impossible for fire to come down from heaven on its own. All right, now we know that a meteor could have come down, whatever, but this is not what was happening. This is fire coming down from heaven. This is impossible. It doesn't happen in nature. So we begin with something that is already impossible. 
But you see, God wasn't even done because God wanted to up the ante. So after starting with what was impossible, God instructed Elijah to take it to another level, to make the conditions even more impossible with the soaking of water. So Elijah had rebuilt the altar that the Israelites had destroyed. Uh, He did so using 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. He took the bull and he put it in pieces on top of the stones, on top of the wood. And, And then he called for some water. Now, the the story tells us that four large jars of water were poured over this bull and all of the wood and all of the stones. And if that wasn't enough, Elijah had the guys do it two more times. Three times. Three times. What was the point? God wanted all of the Israelites to know that this was beyond the realm of impossibility. We begin with impossible, and then we take impossible to a whole other place. But I want to share a great truth with you here this afternoon. God is powerful enough to consume the impossible. Amen. He is powerful enough to consume all of the sins and the struggles in your life. And you might be dealing with something right now that you think is, there's just no way. You don't see a way out. As a matter of fact, as far as you're concerned, this is impossible. There is no hope. Well, I want you to be encouraged because there is hope. There is a person named Jesus Christ, and he's powerful. He's bigger than the most impossible of situations in your life. The, the story tells us that when the fire came, that it consumed everything. It consumed the offering. It consumed the wood. It consumed the stones. It consumed the dust uh, and, and even all the water that was in the trench what an awesome display of God's power. And, and here's what happens. When God's power is displayed, something amazing happens. Now, don't miss this. The Word of God says in 1 Kings 18.39 that when the people saw it, they fell down on the ground and they worshipped God. And they said, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. It wasn't enough to say it once. They said it twice. You know, when God shows up in awesome power in your life, you know what it does? It causes you to worship God. Amen. When God shows up powerful in a church service or when you're in the presence of another believer, and when the Word of God declares that when any two or more are gathered in His name, that Jesus Christ is there, when something amazing happens, you know, it causes you to worship God. Amen. You see, God wanted to make the conditions beyond impossible because God is a God of the impossible. And the displays of His power cause people to worship. You know, I want to encourage you with the truth this afternoon that God loves to display his power to you. And you're not going to see his power in the realm of possibility. It's not going to be there. And it doesn't matter how long you've been a believer or how short you've been a believer or how good you might think that you are 
or how talented you might be in some things. God is a God of the impossible. He is not a God of the possible. If you want to find God in your life, and you're in a place where you need God to show up in your life, you need to start looking in the realm of these situations of impossibilities in your life, because that is where you're going to find God. Amen. God does not work through what you can do. God works through what you cannot do. Let me say that again, because that's a really important truth. God does not work through what you can do. He works through what you can't do. So if you need God right now in this very moment in your life, and you need God to move in a powerful way, look at these situations of impossibility, and you're going to get closer and closer to the presence of God. If you want to be oohed and awed by the power of God, then that's where you need to look in your life. Where is it in your life where you need a miracle to happen? That's where you're going to find God. That's where you're going to meet him. And when you find God in a very powerful way, praise God, listen to this, it causes you to worship him. Praise God. When you're, let's look at this from a different perspective. When you're in the presence of a fellow believer and you're helping them, you're ministering to them, you're using the gifts that God has given you, and, uh, and, and, and you're there, you're, you're in the moment, and God is doing something amazing in that moment. Man, this is a time when your spirit instinctively begins to worship God. Amen. You see, this was the reason for the showdown. The people were free to choose whichever way they wanted to go. They could continue worshiping Baal, but of course, why would they after what they just saw? Amen. And just like you, you're free to do whatever you want and, how, and, and worship whoever you want and wherever you want and whatever you want. My prayer for you is that you will worship the one true God who really loves you and who wants to work powerful displays in your life in the very ways that you need him. Listen, I'm telling you right now, I know that some of you are listening right now. You really need to hear this. And I want you to drink it in because this is a powerful moment for you. Uh, Find God, look for God in those areas where you're struggling. And that's where you're going to find him. Here's another really important truth that you need to understand. I need to understand here today. And that that is that God loves you enough to show you the folly of going after ways that are laughable and mockable against going after the ways that are bankable in the kingdom of God. Listen, he loves you enough. The word of God tells you God disciplines those whom he loves. If you're headed down a wrong road, God loves you enough to show you the folly of your way. Praise the Lord. You're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Jeff McAfee filling in for Tom Brown today. We'll be back in just a few minutes.
Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Jeff McAfee filling in for Tom Brown. Today we've been talking about this great Old Testament story of the showdown on Mount Carmel and what an amazing, uh, uh, courageous man of God the prophet Elijah was. So much we can learn from his life. And this story, man, does it speak to us today in such powerful ways, very distinct ways, uh, right at the heart. You know, he began with the question. It was a challenge. He asked the Israelites, how long are you going to waver? What a great question for you today. What a great question for me today. How long are you going to waver, waffling back and forth? You know, today is a day you can make a fresh commitment to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. No more being a Christian only on Sundays or Wednesdays or whenever it's convenient. Man, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ every day in everything that I do. You know, that's what true salvation is. Uh, We know what it's like. If you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, you've said goodbye to your old life. So be encouraged today. And let that question really convict you. Let's not waver any longer. What a great display of power we saw when, when God had Elijah uh, take an impossible situation and make it even more impossible. But the great news in all of this was that it was all for the Israelites. They all worshipped God when this whole thing was done. And when God works in powerful ways in your life, it's all for you. Every time, when you, you'll be able to look back on your life. And when you do, how often will you see all the times when you were with, uh, you know, maybe a challenging situation and God was there? It's all for you. It's all for you. I've really enjoyed sitting in today, filling in for Tom Brown on Faith Talk, KPXQ 1360 on Koinonia. I'm Jeff McAfee. You can find me at Parkway Church. I'm the senior pastor at Parkway Church. You can find us at parkwaychurch.com. We meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. And at Wednesday nights, we have a Bible study at 7 p.m. I sure would love to see you there sometime. God bless you.